Okie dokie. So you know how, uh, this is how the show begins. And you know how we have music. Oh, I forgot to bring the music. So um, <laughs> what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to like, kind of just pretend that it's playing in your heads, all right? And then at the end, we say bangly bang, but I want you to practice it now. And here we go. Three, two, one. Bangly bang. And you know that shit. So do it better and do it again. And here we go. Three, two, one. Bang. That's much better. All right, here we go. Whoa! <laughs> Bring it here! Bring it here, my friend! What's... He's thinking, I've got some lo-fi solutions here. All right, here we go. Three, two... Fucking hang on. Three, two, go! That's wrong! Start at the beginning! At the beginning! There we go. Oh, that's good, isn't it? I wrote this. Okay, ready? Three, two, one! Bangly bang! On the Apple Podcast this week, we're live in Ireland at the Dublin International Film Festival 2020! Oh, yes! Thank you very much. What a lovely reception. Uh, equivalent to, but not greater than, and not lesser than, of course, the reception we got in Belfast uh, <laughs> last year. Exactly the same, which is weird. Uh, hello, Pod. I am Chris Hewitt, and welcome to this very special No Time to Die live spoiler podcast. <laughs> anyway, later on, we will be talking, of course, plenty about Bond 25, one of the year's most anticipated sequels, which was derailed by one of the year's least anticipated sequels, COVID-19. Uh, but anyway, I'm very, very excited to be here in Dublin. <laughs> Dublin! The fairest of fair cities. We're here, of course, as part of the Dublin International Film Festival 2020, here at the Cineworld on Parnell Street. You will whoop anything, won't you? But I am delighted to be here in Dublin and uh, being of Irish stock, although north of the border, I wanted to give something back to you guys. I wanted to uh, give you something from the heart. I wanted to give you this introduction in, in Irish. Uh, there was a slight problem with that. I don't speak Irish. Uh, I don't have the verbal dexterity or the skills or quite frankly, the reserves of phlegm needed <laughs> to speak Irish. Uh, so I asked Helen O'Hara, who is of course, as you know, multilingual. She speaks un petit point French. She speaks El Pollo Loco Spanish. Uh, and I asked her to take my opening remarks and translate them into Irish. Slight problem, I can't pronounce any of it. So, uh, so I have a volunteer who I met earlier on who responded to my Twitter. There he is. Give him a round of applause. You brought your phone. I, no, I don't need it. You don't need it? Fucking hell. This is amazing. You ask for professional and you get, what's your name, sir? Because I can't remember it. Uh, Morchino Whelan. Uh, Morchino Whelan. Morchino Okay, fantastic. All right, so I'm going to say something heartfelt in English. Morchin here is going to translate it into Irish like a live Google Translate bot. Okay, here we go. Hello, everyone. Jirib. No, I said hello, everyone. <laughs> hello, everyone. Jirib. Oh, okay. I was just checking. My name is Chris Hewitt. Christor O'Hewitt is Adam Dumb. 
I am tremendously proud to be bringing the Empire podcast here. Ta penis bjog bijach agam. I myself am from Banbridge in Northern Ireland, a fascinating and friendly place. Isas underhead bonhom, och edushkart neheren, isach ufasach irgolte agasbonachay. And I am here to show you that our two nations, whilst having many differences, can work together. Ta bala grana. For a better tomorrow. Bangly bang. Irigi. Bangly bang. Chucky our law. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. That was amazing. That was really amazing. Uh, heartfelt words there. And I meant every single one of them. Uh, didn't think that would work. Let's <laughs> okay. um, get on with the actual show. Uh, time to meet now two of my colleagues of such lethal cunning. They are two of the finest super spreaders I know. Uh, first up is our geek queen, a lady who is so Irish that she's just invented the 41st shade of green and has added an extra O apostrophe to her name. Will you please welcome O Helen O'Hara. <laughs> Give it the washing, by the way. That was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, that, was, that was great. <laughs> Next up is an Englishman behind whom we can all unite in hatred. <laughs> and of course, this week he became an award-winning Englishman behind whom we can all unite in hatred, but don't worry, it's okay, he's told me he won't mention it that much. Uh, he's just got back, of course, from an open-top bus parade through the city. Will you please welcome the award-winning James Dyer! <laughs> Jimbo, let's get out of the way. You won an award, well done. I did, thanks. Thanks, Chris. You're very gracious. Yeah, very gracious. Uh, what was it and uh, how much did you pay the judges? <laughs> it was Best Entertainment Podcast 2020 for the Pilot TV Podcast. Mm. And I can't emphasise this enough, the award had glitter inside it. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, it was pretty special. So, and on behalf of the whole Pilot TV podcast, I would like to thank you from the bottom of my heart for failing to meet the deadline to enter the award <laughs> on behalf of this podcast, thus allowing me to win. So thank you, yeah. Chris. Well, Chris Hewitt. Chris Hewitt. Thank you. It's all on him. It's yeah. all down to him. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. magnanimous. I like to give something back to the little guy every now and again by just forgetting to enter an award. But listen, that's presumptuous. That's, that's presuming that we would have been A, nominated mm. and B, win. Uh, but having seen that they gave the award to you, we would have been well, A, nominated and B, won. It but, works uh, for me. It's like the reverse of Alien versus Predator. Like, whoever, whoever loses, I win. <laughs> mm. Well, congratulations. Helen, did you win anything this week? No, not this week, no. No. Last did, week? You, did you win anything this no, week? No, I won nothing. I haven't won anything <laughs> no. since uh, a couple of years ago. But I won hilariously Journalist of the Year. <laughs> <laughs> I did get a medal at a marathon, but I didn't win the marathon, obviously. 
<laughs> Imagine if you did. And there's O'Hara streaking past. <laughs> in about in 17 hour. hours. <laughs> 17 it's amazing. Hours. You won the reverse marathon. I, I would win the reverse marathon. I think I'm in with what a chance medal? What was the medal? What was the it was really, you, you you'd get love cool it. Medals, it's a Tyrian one. It's been, and it says, I run and I know things. That's which is like my new motto. That's when you keep all your medals, because you only do marathons that give you medals, don't yeah. you? I mean, yeah. obviously. I, I, it's possible I have racks and they may be hung. You have a medal rack? Yeah. No, two. I, don't, I do not even have... A medal, let alone <laughs> many medals that would necessitate an entire rack. You have a trophy that has glitter inside it. I do, that's true. I need, a, I need a, some sort of stand-up. And is that going to be I in think. the office? Because I have... I've personal... I've, I've won some awards, guys. <laughs> uh, I've got personal stuff at home, but the stuff that the podcast and magazine have won. Yes, I, d I did bring it into the office, but, you know, then I thought I was, I was going to self-isolate, so I took it home. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I just want to self-isolate <laughs> with my that? award. Just, okay. okay. just, just, right. just to yeah. be clear, you're turning into Gollum. You're basically yeah. going to be sitting at home going, yeah. I'm just stroking the award. The James, did you do anything sexual with that award? I just need to ask. <laughs> my lawyers would ask me. It sounds, it sounds As his like lawyer, I don't think yeah. you should. Okay. Yeah, anyway, listen, let's get on with talk about some movie news, um, and then we'll do some movie reviews, and then you guys can ask us anything you want, um, within reason, of course. Uh, so, as I alluded to in my award-winning introduction, no, shit, <laughs> award-losing introduction, uh, Bond 25 got pushed back this week. Mm. Uh, it was due to come out in... Ooh, about three weeks' time or so. <laughs> and uh, the coronavirus is a very real crisis that is sweeping the, the, the Earth and maybe other planets as well right now. And uh, as a result, although they didn't mention it in their press release, it seems clear that uh, because of the economic pressures coming to bear, this sounds way less interesting than I intended when I said it, <laughs> uh, that they've pushed back no time to die until November. More time okay. to die. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Mm. Um, I, I had questions about this because I was instantly like, I think it's a testament to the world that nobody immediately went, it's shit, isn't it? It's shit. <laughs> they need to do reshoots. One guy did on my timeline. Yeah. I, I, I saw very little of that because usually when a film goes back six months, everybody's like, oh, sucks. Um, and, and there hasn't been that in this case. So I, I think that maybe says that people are worried. They're obviously worried about the Chinese box office in particular. Mm. There have been reports that the Chinese box office is basically just zeroed out at the moment. So, uh, and, and that is a big part of... Are actually, cinemas are closed as well. Yeah, so oh. that, 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 is, um, that is a big part of it. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you, you could have released elsewhere in the world and released later in China if it were that simple. So I do wonder if there are... Cons I don't know what the storyline is. Even I don't know if Chris even knows what the storyline is, but like... Did the storyline involve germ warfare? Did the storyline involve something that would be incredibly uncomfortable to watch right now? Did the storyline involve Bond washing his hands for only 19 seconds? <laughs> I mean, that would just freak that everybody was, out right this second. That's the scene I saw on set. I, oh my saw, God, yeah, really? I was timing Daniel Craig and he, he, he got to 18 seconds. I was like, oh, this is fine. This is acceptable in the current climate. Uh, but now, 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 with the benefit now. of hindsight, yeah, furious. Yeah. Absolutely outrageous. Uh, no, I, I, I don't uh, know uh, for sure about the plot, but uh, it's easy to speculate, isn't it? Mm. Uh, I mean, we don't know if it's even going to come out in November now. We don't know how bad this thing's going to get. We don't know whether this is going to affect any other uh, major mm. blockbusters. Well, Mulan's moved, hasn't it, in certain territories? So that's in certain yeah. territories, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're, still, they're still thinking it's going to come out in the States and make an $85 million opening weekend and still you know, do gangbusters, which is, which is interesting. But I think when you're a Bond movie, you need to break records or get close to breaking records when you open and a staggered opening doesn't help you do that maybe so not. I think maybe moving it back to November which is of course more traditionally a Bond, a Bond month. release mm -hmm. date yeah. anyway uh, might help them do that and it, hey if there, if there are story tweaks this gives them a few months to do so although I imagine you know Daniel Craig's on the burgers already so 
if he gets the call to you know, say, hey, Dan, you need to lose some weight uh, and come in and, and, uh, and hit the, uh, the gym again and wash your hands for 20 seconds, he may, oh, for fuck's sake, guys, really? <laughs> I thought it was out. Just CG my abs, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They painted them on for 300, they can I paint them on I will be Daniel me. Craig's abs double. That is so generous. It is so generous of us. Oh my God. I will absolutely do that. Uh, Had anyone bought tickets for this? Yeah. Yeah, quite a lot. Did you get refunds? You're just going to hang on to those tickets and turn up in the day and hope. (laughs) (laughs) I've got no time to wait. (laughs) Yeah, secret screenings, secret screenings. Uh, Yeah, but we'll see what happens. Black Widow's coming out uh, in two months, just under two months as Mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the summer season, which I thought wasn't looking that great anyway, might suddenly be completely and utterly devastated as well. But you know, listen, if this thing uh, hits, uh, we may have more pressing concerns. Uh, wow, this podcast has taken a turn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there were no You're all going to die. Ago, but, uh... <laughs> not night, not no, no, tonight. No. Like, no. I should make that clear. Yeah. Yeah. Not part of the show. One day, like yeah. in the like, future. Yeah, later. Many, in, many in years from now, hopefully. Thanks. Yeah. Many, many, many Jeez. years from now. All right, that's enough of that uh, depressing Bond 25 chat. Uh, I will instead, say, just while we're yeah. on the coronavirus, someone did inform me on Twitter, which I loved, that instead of singing Happy Birthday twice, as we've been advised, you can recite the Bene Gesserit Litany Against Fear from Denis Villeneuve's Dune. <laughs> so it's just, I, I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. It is the little death. It's fabulous. Oh, was that the thing Actually, that was on Twitter the other yeah. day? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty good, because it also, pretty good. it also encourages you not to panic by and to keep a calm head and mm. that's that's mm. good I like unless that unless someone come at you with a gom jabar well obviously <laughs> but in that case I mean you're probably already got you know got your hand in the box isn't it so. uh, I'm going to regret this well what, <laughs> what's a gom jabar it's a needle tipped with poison to test if you're cute yeah like they come the, the Bene Gesserit have a little needle with the coronavirus on it and they stab you with it <laughs> it's a it's a very deadly poison that will kill you instantly. Yeah. And then they put your hand in a box that causes increasing levels of pain and you have to keep your hand in the box or they'll stab you. Oh, like I'm a celebrity. Much like that, yeah. A little bit like okay. that, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. All right. Exactly Excellent. Like but with that. more instant death. I, well, I'm, I wish there was more of that on I'm a Celebrity, if I'm quite honest with you, but uh, I'm fully on board with that. Very, very excited indeed about that, not about Bond 25 being pushed back or mm. the imminent death of the human race. Anyway, so... <laughs> Chris Evans News, Helen. Hello. Chris He's, Evans News. Chris He's Evans News. Yeah. He's Woo. making a film about the Bermuda Triangle with yes. Scott Derrickson. That's correct. Who's now got a gap in his schedule. He does. After having left uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, Doctor Strange, of course, one That's of Ebony Maul's yeah. chief bad guys. Uh, you yeah, know, yeah. Uh, what's that about? Uh, why have I mentioned Ebony Maw? I don't know. That might cop up later in the podcast. Um, <laughs> so this is very exciting. Yes. Derrickson. Mm. Evans. Ooh. Bermuda Triangle. Mm. Cool, actually. Yeah. 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 Apparently, they have a theory now about what, the, what caused the Bermuda Triangle. Apparently so just to be clear, it's the place where planes disappear, not the thing you ask for when you go to a waxing salon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean a Brazilian? Well, that's a one option. <laughs> I don't want to Carry ask on. anymore. I really don't want to know. Um, I don't want to know about your waxing habits. I don't want to think about them. Um, are you smooth? <laughs> well, Chris. Like a Ken doll. <laughs> Plus the counterpants and the trademark. Is oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay, yes. Anyway, yes. Let's move it swiftly back on topic. Chris yeah. Evans. Um, Chris Evans. You think he waxes? Absolutely. No, he had a little bit of hair, didn't he, in that in that. Um, yeah, but it'd be manscaped hair, wouldn't it? Like, it's not like unruly. It'd oh no, like, obviously you know. not unruly. Nothing mm. about him is unruly. Mm. Come on. No, I mean, basically, what I think we're hoping for here is a repeat of that Red Sea film 
Red Sea Diving Resort. No one's hoping for repeated landfill. No, no, no. Not in terms of quality, in terms of gratuitousness. Oh, okay. Don't be ridiculous. All right, so yeah, he, he takes his top off. she knows what I mean. Yeah. He takes oh. his top off, turns the camera, goes, yes, I do wax. No, it's fine if he doesn't. Okay, you're happy? Yeah. All right, brilliant. Anyway, we shouldn't objectify people in it's the movie terrible. business. It's terrible, we shouldn't objectify people. Terrible. But actually, genuinely, the Bermuda Triangle is interesting, and I'm, I'm here for a story exploring that. Yes, also, hot fact, at one point, Sam Raimi the greatest director in the history of motion pictures, was attached to this movie like a limpet. And then he sw he's basically switched <gasps> with Scott Derrickson yeah, because Scott Derrickson is now directing this movie um, unless he goes on a location recce and never comes back. A recce with a W. Oh, Helen. Oh, my word. Well, we've killed off the entire human race in news story number one. <laughs> and Scott Derrickson in movie news two. Uh, let's see if we can kill John Hamm because he's going to star in Steven Never. Soderbergh's Kill Switch. Hurrah. Do you like grilled ham, <laughs> baked ham? <laughs> well, it, 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 he needs a, a little gap in his schedule from you know guest starring in every single comedy series in history. So yes. I suppose this is this will be that. But I think he plays, is he playing a cop? So there's three robbers who invade a house and then it appears that the tables may have been turned on them. So they're basically now the ones in the real trap. Hang on, That's this is the plot to Home Alone. <laughs> I think this might be a grown-up Home Alone. That's what I read, anyway. Ham Alone. Come oh. on. Come on. That's no, what you but, pay your money for. But he's the policeman who's, who's doing something involved. Damn it, Helen! I'm sorry. Honestly. I was so close to it working. <laughs> no, it's so, well, yeah, that's, so many of my puns are so close to working. Uh, I'm excited about this, but Jimbo, you're going to be excited about... Uh, this Uncharted movie, aren't you? Because you play Uncharted, don't you? Or do you? I don't know. It's more Nick's thing, actually. I tolerate it, but Nick absolutely loves it. Okay. Uh, yes, Antonio Banderas, isn't he? He's going, to, uh, he's going to turn up in this film that's been circulating forever. I don't know who's playing, though. Who is he playing? Have you looked it up? I mean, you could have looked it up. I, I mean, could have yeah. done, but that would have been very professional. <laughs> we, we, yeah. I remember we they were talking say. about it before we came on. Yeah. Who's he playing? They didn't say. They didn't say. They didn't so he's say. playing a character in a film, which may or may not come out. But Hooray! it is, but it is going to happen. it is going to happen. I mean, you say happening. that. They're casting people. They, I know, but haven't they done that before? <laughs> it's, this has been going <laughs> on forever. We've been on the website since 2000. seriously. And we've written a lot of stories about Uncharted movies. It lives up to its name. Never happened. It's just, yeah, I'm not Unreleased. Sure but what's more exciting, I find, is that sort of another sort of naughty dog production. That's not a sex thing. Um, the, the Last of Us is moving ahead. So The Last of Us game uh, is a very, very good game. If you've never mm -hmm. played it, do so. Uh, and it was going to be a film ages and ages ago. And it kind of, again, it never really materialised. But HBO have now optioned it as a TV series. Uh, which is very exciting. The writer of Chernobyl is behind it. Mm. Uh, Neil Druckmann, who's the creative director on the game, is doing it. They haven't cast anyone yet, but that's really, really exciting. I actually think this will work a lot better as a TV series than it would as a film. Yeah, it's a much more narrative story. Yeah, exactly. There's lots of little incidental bits that they could play out, but it's so good and it's got so much sort of emotional heft to it. So if anyone doesn't know, it's kind of a not zombie. It's like a parasitic fungus that turns people into zombie things. Oh, like, yeah. um, like the girl with all the gifts. Exactly that. Yes. Um, uh, so this is the game with all the gifts and it has... Hey. Uh, a, a man named Joel sort of is, is escorting uh, a young girl called Ellie through the wasteland and they bond as it goes forward. That's essentially the plot in a nutshell. Mm. But uh, it's really, really good and it is voted by us as the best game ever made. Make of that what you will. Wow, yeah. prestigious mm. film magazine yeah. votes game. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. I'm excited to mention this because this broke just hours after we, we recorded the Pilot TV podcast because I had to move it forward because normally I would do it today, but I can't because I'm here with you lovely people. So, uh, so, <laughs> so it's still against Dog yeah. Thank you for coming and uh, award-winning yeah. man. It's funny, I have the award with me if you'd like. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> Honestly, I wouldn't put it past you. <laughs> Uh, let me see, what else is happening? Oh, here's the thing, I have another thing. Oh, you got yeah. another thing. Okay, so, so the novelisation 
of The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, good God. Was released. If uh, you have information, put it in your film. Yeah. So if any of you saw The Rise of Skywalker and realised it made no fucking sense, that's because they put all of the plot of that into this book. Now, as I think we can all agree, the main takeaway from The Rise of Skywalker, really, I mean, so much happened, but the main takeaway was Palpatine fucks. Now, <laughs> the problem with the novel is it turns out Palpatine doesn't fuck at all. So, no, so, no. so it turns Ooh, out that his I'm son, who is Rey's father, was in fact not really his son, but actually him, because it was a clone that went wrong, and the clone apparently then went off and fucked. And then, so Palpatine's clone fucks, but Palpatine doesn't fuck, and Rey was the result of that. But Palpatine himself, also a clone. But we don't I don't know how he clones. Maybe he fucks himself. <laughs> it's almost certainly self-abuse of some kind. But he, uh, but actually, Palpatine himself is another clone who contains the spirit. And there's a wonderful passage that comes in the thing, and it's like Kylo Ren knew from looking at him that this was another clone, but contained the true spirit of Sheev Palpatine. And that's fucking award-winning writing right there. <laughs> and you're just like, for fuck's sake, this is just terrible. So, do we think at this point this is stuff that J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio? didn't fit in, knew, but didn't fit into the film, or are the writers of these things just going rogue and going, look, I can't explain it. <laughs> this is this just gibberish of the highest quality, so I have to, yeah, is it a clone? Palpatine's son is a clone. <laughs> because clone. I can't bring myself to imagine Palpatine fucking. Yeah. I just can't. Mm. Yeah. Are there any children here, by the way? Because <laughs> <laughs> Thank God not. No, no. Yeah. But it is like, you know, the, when the visual dictionary thing came out, you're reading the through it, it's just like, on dick. what Sith Eternal? None of this is in the film. It's yeah. just... Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah. Look, there are details that you can absolutely put in a visual dictionary or whatever. Yeah, like when they say this is a bearing 48 bearing which occurs on the droid's antenna, like all of that stuff. Yeah, that's fine. totally that's fine. Nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when but, the whole plot of the film is in the book and not on the screen, I'm yeah, saying you got a problem. It's a bad thing. You yeah, have a problem. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of last quick things. I'm tremendously excited. Anyone see this news? It broke last night. Uh, this is TV news as well, so I should save it for the Pilot TV podcast. The award-winning award yeah, Pilot we're never TV invited, podcast. So please never invited. No. Never invited. Uh, but anyway, the kids in the hall are coming back. Now, does this mean anything to anybody in the audience whatsoever? One person. One person. And two people. Two people. I crush your head. It's a tremendous sketch show. If you've never seen it, check it out. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, five Canadian comedians, um, Dave Foley and Kevin McDonald and Scott Thompson and people like that. Uh, they're really, really great. And they're coming back now and they're, they're much older and probably need to work. But I'm very, very glad that they are coming back on Amazon, uh, which is brilliant. And uh, the last thing we'll talk about before we get into movie reviews mm. is the Batmobile has mm. been unfailed. Yeah, I quite like it. Am I the only one? Yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I just think it looks like a sort of classic American muscle car, but yes. with like neon lights. You expect Dom Toretto to kind of roll out of it with bat ears on. See, see this may be where we, we differ because my association is classic American muscle car, the Winchesters. Yeah. So I'm like, oh. I mean, I'm sold. And we already know, obviously, that they are, are connected to Bruce Wayne because, of course, Daddy Winchester is also... Daddy Wayne. Whoa. So it all ties together and I'm kind of looking forward to it now. Yeah. Doesn't it look like they started the Batmobile and then just forgot to finish it? That's what it looks like. With Batman lives think... his life a quarter mile at a time. No, I'm, I'm, just ha I'm, just, I'm just really happy to get away from that stupid looking tank thing, to be honest. Then what's wrong with the it Tumblr? It was the worst the thing Tumblr in those was movies. Great. It was the worst thing in those movies and I didn't even like Ben. <laughs> What about the, the, did you like the little, the pod, the pod, the, the, pod, was the, cool. the bike the pod thing? Was, yeah, the bike mm. thing was cool, yeah. yeah. Whew. Well, thank goodness, because uh, if we'd had someone in here later on who'd worked with Chris Nolan, <laughs> and you were just <laughs> raving about Chris Nolan and how much you don't like him, that I didn't say that, very, very I just no, said no, I didn't I mean, like the Dark Knight Rises. No, you haven't, I'm just saying. But luckily, we don't have anyone coming up soon. 
who has worked with Chris Nolan. So we're all good. Phew. Excellent. <laughs> Great. Time now for our guests. And uh, when I say guests, I mean guests. That's why there are six chairs there, everybody. Because uh, you know, when we were invited here by the Virgin Media, Dublin International Film Festival 2020. Uh, they asked us who we wanted as guests, and coming to Ireland, I immediately said Oscar Wilde, Segan Sag, and a Gleason. <laughs> Any Gleason, doesn't really matter. Uh, and they said, look, Chris, Oscar Wilde's dead, Segan Sag aren't real, and the Gleasons are busy. And I said, what, even Brian? <laughs> and they said, yes, even Brian, he is a national treasure. As proved by that response. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so instead I said, well, listen, how about we bring together some incredible talent from the amazing films you have at the film festival and we'll do them all together. And they said, that is grand. So will you please welcome the two stars of Rialto, which premieres tonight at the Lighthouse here at the festival, and the star and director of Cam with Horses, which premiered last night. So welcome, please, Tom Glenn Carney, Tom Fawn Lawler, Neve Algar and Nick Rowland. Oh my word. Oh, hello everybody. Just shook a lot of hands, so I'm just gonna <laughs> just gonna de-corona myself for a second if that's all right with you. Uh, yeah, there you go. Have a little bit. There you go. Do you wanna pass it along? There you go. I brought enough for everybody, by the way. If you look under your seat, one of you will find COVID-19. Hello, hello, welcome, welcome, welcome. How has the Dublin Film Festival been treating you? I'll start with you, one of the Toms, Tom Glyn Carney. How are you, sir? Thank you, sir. Uh, very well, thank you. Feels like I landed five minutes ago, so I've not really had a chance to enjoy it yet, but um, I'm sure it's gonna be good. Is that because you landed five minutes ago? Yes. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Have you seen anything of the city yet? Uh, uh, yes, I know Dublin this. quite well <laughs> um, from, from shooting the film here. But, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do a bit of exploring later on. And Tom, what about Tom Fong Lawler, of course, what about yourself? I, uh, <clears throat> yes, I arrived, uh, we're singing at the Marion, which is really fancy. So I, <laughs> so I had a big bath about an hour ago, <laughs> which is really nice. I got the body lotion and put the whole body lotion in, you know. Yes, yes. No, it's great, because it's like the older you get as an actor, I think the more you realize the gravy train could end tomorrow. <laughs> so you got to like, make sure you get all the stuff. Take down the, yeah, the so if we shook you down, your bag would There'd contain... be a lot of stuff in it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a, of, yeah. a breakfast. Yeah, 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 yeah. The robes, the slippers, Everything. the whole thing. The yeah. Yeah. There's the a porter in there. Everything. Uh, you guys, your, premier, your, your film premiered last night. How was that for you, Calm with Horses? Yeah, it went great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was just really lovely to get such a positive feedback from an Irish audience, considering it's a film that was made in Ireland. And, well, yeah, it went, it went down really great. Awesome, good. Fingers crossed for the same tonight, you know, that's awesome. So um, just for people who don't know, can you, can you give the sort of, have you got the one-line summary of your films that you've probably been, you know, primed to give now for about a million interviews in a row? 20-line summaries Here are also go. acceptable. <laughs> yeah, so uh, Calm With Horses, it's an adaptation of an Irish crime novel by Colin Barrett, um, and it's about an ex-boxer called Arm, who's working as an enforcer for a family of drug dealers on the west coast of Ireland. And the story is basically about how his loyalties are torn between this surrogate crime family and his real family, which is his five-year-old son and uh, Ursula, his ex-girlfriend, played by Neve. And how did it come about for you? Because, uh, Nick, I'm, I'm detecting an English accent here. <laughs> yes, I'm an imposter. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so I, I was at 
I found Colin's short stories when I was at film school. Um, this is back in 2014, 2015. Um, and I was trying to write short film scripts and they were all completely shit. So I was like, I need to read good good short stories. So I found Colin's writing and and, um, and Calm With Horses just really spoke to me. You know, it, was, it was violent, it was scary. It had the, sort of the genre elements, which was, which was very exciting, but it also had a lot of heart and humanity and humour in it as well. So um, my friend Dan Emerson, who was an assistant at Working Title at the time, mm. we were trying to find a way of m making a film. Um, so I sent the book to him and uh, told him to try and find the, if we could get the option on it, to, to, to option the, the rights to, to make it. And then at the same time, I was doing my graduation film. So I, was, um, I went to a, a, a talent agency called Troika, and Connor McCahan, who um, runs that agency, represented... Um, Richard Madden and Michael Smiley, who I was trying to get to mm. do my graduation film, and um, they agreed to do that, and then they asked me what I wanted to do next, and I said, oh, I've just found this amazing short story called Calm With Horses. Um, and it just so happened that Connor and Michael Fassbender were also trying to option the same story, and we were actually bidding against one another. <laughs> so, um, you know, being shrewd businessmen, they said, well, why don't you and Dan join DMC and let's all make the film together. And Neve, what about Ursula as a character? Because she's I thought she was really, really rounded in the film because she's she's got a lot on her plate. She's got a son with special educational needs. She's trying to study, she's trying to change her life. And there's still this kind of <coughs> weird relationship with her ex, I guess. Arm. Is that right? Yeah, like yeah, Ursula, she's in the story, I suppose she's the focus of stability in Arm's life. Mm. If you know you've got Ursula and you've got Barry Keoghan's character, who's this bit of a devil. Uh, so if you've got like Arm in the middle, and you've got he's torn between his his loyalties with the Devers and then his loyalties with his family. And and for her, she her whole being is all about loyalty. And and she has this son that you know needs needs extra special care. And what she really loves about Arm is the fact that he only sees his son as a normal little boy and I think that's what she still hangs on to and still loves and it's the the idea that maybe he might change and but at the end of the day she's going to do anything to protect her little boy and um but yeah she's she's uh, she's a strong mm. strong woman she's pretty formidable yeah that's awesome and uh bringing the two toms in here what can you say uh tell us about Rialto um, Rialto is about a middle-aged man who, whose father has died, a big toxic presence in his life. And he, in, in his grief, he's kind of unmoored from this, uh, from this man who's been this huge figure. And he, he loses his job, which is another kind of pillar of his identity. And he meets this young man play, played by Tom called Jay, who's a, um, a prostitute and they have this journey together, this relationship, and they have this line where it says, you know, I, I, there's no lies between us, and they have these encounters where he feels he can unburden himself to this young man. And in, in unburdening himself, he, I think he, well, there's a lot of selfishness in him, and it's, uh, yeah, that, it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And uh, Tom, uh, the other Tom, <laughs> too many Toms. Uh, how did you get involved in, in this one? Uh, I went for an audition and I got the role. <laughs> and then... How does that work? <laughs> and, um, yeah, I was, I was a big fan of Mark O'Halloran's before I went in to, uh, to read for Jay. And um, 
I'm sorry, Peter. I hadn't I hadn't seen any of your films yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but I was really really intrigued by the story, and I wanted to sort of explore who who Jay was. And I, the first thing I thought was stunning about the way that Mark had written this. It was exploring all the different facets of love, and where where it can go, and the sort of the the strength, the brutality of love, the uh, the threat of it. Um, it was violent, it was raw, it was exciting. Uh, yeah, a gift for an actor to play. Mm. And to obviously play alongside this young man <laughs> was, a, was an honour. And how did you work together? I mean, did you have a, a lot of rehearsal period on this one? A lot of rehearsal well, time? Well, Peter, Peter Mackie Burns, who's the director, is here. He, he, um, he's, he, he's, really, he's really amazing. He kind of, uh, he's, yeah, he's, he's getting very excited. <laughs> That's Peter starting his own round. Shrinking uh, finally, clearly. So, you know, he's like someone who, I think is really interesting. I never got a single note on a line. He never gives us any notes on the line. Just these kind of like going, it's got this, this, and this. You're getting this, this, and this. Boy, you're missing is this, 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 and this. Mm. And you need to be here. You need to be there. And you need to be. So he was always kind of pushing us and challenging us. And he's so having a director that you know won't move on until mm. it's done mm. is very important. He'd come in and ask mad questions, just like <laughs> questions that just didn't seem like they were anything to do with the film, but. It was, it, they were so, in hindsight, they were so poignant and they really, really dragged out. Yeah, you did, yeah. Such as? Uh, why does he wear these shoes? It's like, we're having, we're having a, we're, there's a scene where we're, we're drinking, we're drinking cans in a, in a B&B. Yeah. And he's asking about the choice of shoes that he's wearing. And it's like, oh my God, what has that got to do with anything? But it come back to, it come back to how Jay had nothing, he didn't have those kinds of choices and yet he had the massive choice in why he was choosing this line of work and uh, who he was and whether sexuality was important to him or whether that even meant anything to him mm. um, and he, Peter just had this amazing way of bringing bringing all those things to light without actually hitting the nail on that well being being on the nose you know that's amazing yeah cool. but seriously how often do you really look at a man's shoes uh, <laughs> Neve, I've, I've forget the mix here what sort of director was he? You're going to pretend that he's not here. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's funny. I, I'd read the script and it, it, it's it's a crime drama and it had this incredible pace and the characters that 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 Joe had written were quite violent. Um, but I'd seen Nick's short that he did. He'd done a couple of shorts and what Nick brings to... Why well, I was so excited because Nick brings this soul to, to this story. Mm. It's, it's so much more than just a crime drama. There's this beautiful heartbeat that he carries throughout the whole film and you care about every character in it despite their flaws. And I think that's just a testament to Nicky, such a kind, sensitive guy, sorry. But <laughs> in, in the best possible way, because we were, you know, we were shooting quite, you know, loud, violent scenes and... You know, Nick, you know, he'd never shout on set. And I think that's such a testament. You know, you never want to be the loudest person in a room. And, mm. and that's very much Nick. I think he just got everyone else to do the shouting for him, <laughs> which is extremely clever. Very good. So, Nick, forget that Thank you're you. here. What sort of director are you? <laughs> well, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very shy. Uh, you know, so 
being sat in front of all these people is very terrifying. So, you know, for me, it's just self-preservation. The only way I can operate is by making the the work feel quite intimate and um, closed, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I don't like shouting. I don't like... Um, I, I like to have quite a calm atmosphere, and that seems to work with the actors. Mm -hmm. I mean, look, sometimes we're not calm. Calm when, when, when there's when, the, <laughs> when When you've got, like, half an hour left and you've still got, like, four shots to do... I'm not the calmest person in the world. Um, <laughs> I try to be. Jeez, you kind of fooled me. <laughs> <laughs> and you've all done incredible things in your careers as well. As well today, uh, Tom Glencarney, you were uh, you were in Dunkirk a few years ago on our one of our last live podcasts. We were in Edinburgh. We had Jack Loudon come yeah. along, and he was talking about his Dunkirk experience and ending up in the drink with Christopher Nolan. What was yours? What was your experience in that film like? Um, yeah, it was a bit of a baptism of fire. It was my first job out of drama school. Um, so I, I left I left third year early to go and shoot that. And uh, Chris Chris Nolan managed to convince them to give me my degree still. Wow. Um, which was great. Who's going to argue with him? I mean, well, yeah, you know. yeah. When Nolan's saying, give him his fucking degree, or I'll end you. Uh, you don't really have much choice. But it was great. It was great. I learned so much. I was working with some of my idols. It felt like I'd been sort of put into a hypersleep and gone into this massive dream world where... I was on a boat with Chris, Mark Rylance, Killian Murphy, uh, you know, Barry Keoghan, the superstar of Dublin. Uh, <laughs> love that boy. But yeah, we we it was just it was mad. It was mad. I loved it. I loved it. And uh, and Tom Fawn Lawler, uh, of course, many of you may not recognise him right now as Ebony Maw in Avengers: Infinity War. Absolutely. Uh, Am I wearing an uh, Infinity War t-shirt? Yes, I am. Am I wearing Ebony Maw underpants? Yes, I am. Uh, Tom, we've, we figured out backstage that I was actually on set on the day that you were filming over there in Atlanta, the, uh, the Get Lost Squidward Day. Uh, yes. I was there for that. They were telling me to get closer to the flames. I'm like, get closer to the flames. I was like, <laughs> then my face was getting all... They like, relax your face. I'm like, I can't. My face is melting. Uh, all my friends were like, Wow. You got a part in that? And I was like, uh, yeah. And like, are we not worried you're going to get fired? And I was like, yeah. Like, you spent most of the first few days going, I just hope they don't fire me. <laughs> <laughs> Hoping to get through the first week and at least go, oh, I was there for a week. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, was cool. it was cool. Uh, but yeah, so did you use that energy to, you know, to, to produce enmity towards the, uh, the Avengers and Doctor Strange and all that, that, that mob? Yes, I was, uh, it was a long day. I was, so, there's the the bit where the Hulk is there. No, not the Hulk. Um, Banner. Sorry, Iron Man's there. I've I've got a presentation but, list. Sorry, <laughs> Iron Man, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, and, and Benedict Wong are there, and they're all doing their stuff. And then so the camera was on them all day for their bits, you know. And me and uh, Terry Notary were like giving it loads, you know. <laughs> so we we're like the camera wasn't us. So we're like ah, da, da, for a, a whole day, you know, banging away at it. And we're like, oh great, you know. And like, we're gonna shoot your side tomorrow. Great, great, great. Where's the guys? <laughs> the next day, it's like, where's the where's the four superstars? Terry Notary's like, Terry Notary's like, let's kill some let's kill some movie stars. But but it was very sweet actually because at the end of the sh that day where it was just like us just kind of screaming at them, um, Robert Downey Jr. came up and said, you know, thanks so much for doing that. Like as a, a, as an actor to an actor, and he was a real it was a really 
he didn't have to say it. Yeah. He said, thank you so much for being there for us. Yeah. I didn't even start crying. I was like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's at the stage of his career now where he can get someone else to go up to and thank him <laughs> yeah. at the end of the day. But uh, he did it himself, which is, which is awesome. Uh, and Neve, you were in The Virtues with, uh, with uh, Shane Meadows. I mean, that's a hell of an experience, mm. I, I can imagine, as well. Yeah, like Shane, Shane was, was like one of my heroes and uh, studying acting, you just study his work and like This Is England was one of my favourite films. Mm. Um, Stevie Graham, uh, yeah, it was just, a, it was just an absolute gift to, that was like my first TV job and I was so excited and on my first day, Stephen Graham just turns to me and he says, enjoy this because you're never going to get it again. <laughs> and <laughs> action. Yeah, I think it was uh, just the freedom you get. You see chronologically and, um, yeah, that, it's, I was like, so this is my first television job and it's all just going to go downhill from here. And he's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but anyway, here, good luck, kid. <laughs> Straight into it. I mean, it hasn't been all downhill from there for him. So I'm no, sure no, I think it's, it's just no. It's just in terms free, of the nerves. It, maybe. No, not not the nerves. Just the freedom you get to you get yeah. twenty minutes to just play around in a scene, and you don't have producers running around like looking at the clock. Oh bloody hell! <laughs> what are they at? Why are they suddenly listening to music and dancing in a scene when that wasn't in the script? <laughs> uh, it's just Shane's approach is is very unique. He's very special, and um, he gets it's just the way in which he works. He 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 makes what's in a script look like it's unscripted hmm. and that's uh, that's just that's just him what's there like a, a traditional script yeah, yeah there was there, there is he always has a script with a blueprint uh, and everything that we said is what's in the script you just he just kind of tricks you into thinking that you came up with it yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Nick you're a week away now from Cam with Horses coming out uh, in, in the UK uh, yeah, nervous, terrifying, you okay? terrifying, completely terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you glad I brought it up. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Please go see it. Don't worry, all will be fine. I'm sure everyone will go and see it. Uh, and uh, guys, thank you so much for coming. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. you please give it up once again. Nick Rowland, Dave Algar, Tom uh, Glenn Carney, and Tom Fawn Lawler. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Cheers. Incredible guests. Yeah. yeah. Incredible guests. <laughs> Incredible guests. Oh, yeah. I might start a chat show just called Incredible Guests. And it doesn't matter if the guests aren't incredible. Because you've already said it in the title. Well, by definition, they would be. Precisely. Yeah. Uh, thanks, of course, to the, the uh, Dublin International Film Festival for making the, uh, that guest, <laughs> guest of Palooza happen. Uh, but now it's time to move onward. See what I've done there? Oh. I do see what you've done there. Yeah. Into this week's movie reviews, and we're going to start with Military Wives. No, we're going to start with <laughs> the latest slab of Pixar goodness, or as we've said, because, spoiler alert, five stars for this movie, Pixar greatness. It's onward. It is. Jimbo. Huh. See... Less important than, than whether the film is good is more does Ben Travis's reputation survive the review of this film. So uh, we Ben Travis. Ben Travis's reputation would survive like a multiple homicide <laughs> live on TV. It's true. It is a ball of 
rampant Flop. positivity and, <laughs> and happiness, and it's it, he would be so very happy unnerving. killing those people. He'd be like, "Hey, I'm having the greatest time, you guys," <laughs> and everyone at home would be like, "Oh, he just cut that person's head off. Oh, I can't be mad at him." He's a man Look who gave him. Dumbo four stars. Let's not forget that. <laughs> uh, and he oh. came out of this as the only one from Empire Tina, and said, five stars. It's five stars. It is pure Pixar perfection. And we were like, "Fuck me, he's struck again." <laughs> like that's it. Empire's reputation in tatters. Christ, what's happening? Uh, someone else. Uh, uh, from Empire saw it, uh, well, previously on Empire, sort of an ex-Empire person saw it and was less impressed, I would say. But I went along and saw it, prepared to hate this. <laughs> My heart is famously made of granite, and I went in and I sat down and I watched it and I came out and I loved it. And it was hey! just fun. <laughs> that was a real roller coaster ride. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Like it's it's a real oh, it's so lovely. And it's it's it warms the cockles and it's beautiful. And it's the stuff that Pixar does best when they really just make you sort of well up and want to explode in a vat of tears and glitter. Um, but uh, is that what your reward is full of? A little bit, yeah. It's full oh of tears God. and glitter. Uh, Chris's tears, my glitter. Um, <laughs> but no, onwards great. So this is a kind of a fancy story. Uh, Tom Holland does the voice of Ian the Elf obviously, uh, and his older brother Barley, which is, uh, who is voiced by Chris Pratt, and they, uh, uh, their father died before sort of Ian, uh, you was know, born. he was, essentially was born, yes, uh, and uh, when Barley was very young, and so they've never met him, so they find a magic spell which enables them to spend one day with their father, but for reasons we won't go into, it goes a little bit wrong, and they have to go on a quest to make it right. So you have a fantasy quest with two elves, you've got your unicorns who've essentially turned into bin-eating raccoons, uh, there's a, a, a sort of a fast food restaurant run by a manticore, there's lots of stuff that goes on, but it riffs on sort of fantasy tropes, it riffs on Dungeons and Dragons, maybe a reason why I liked it. Um, but it's just so lovely, and it's about sort of family ties and brotherly love and all those really good things. You have a really fun story that kind of romps all the way along. Uh, and I thought it had real emotional heart to it as well. And I came out just feeling gooey and fuzzy and probably glowing and, you know, all of that stuff that mm. the Pixar gives you. Like, is it, is it, I mean, it's not up there with uh, the first 15 minutes of up, but let's be honest, nothing ever really has been. Um, but it's, this is good Pixar for me. And I really didn't like Toy Story 4. Like, I thought it was yeah. unnecessary and tedious yeah. and just making go away but this this yeah this is better than Toy Story 4 mm. this is mid-table Pixar for me mm. um, I, I liked it it did make me cry because I'm not a cold-hearted <laughs> stony-faced weirdo um, but it, but it's not up there with the very best I, I, I went into it I'll be honest with a little bit of prejudice because of Ben no, no, I hadn't, I hadn't even read the review at that point. It was more because I find this particular vision of fantasy, if you've seen the trailer or even the poster, you know what I mean, I, I find that kind of fantasy really boring. I don't like the sort of Dungeons and Dragons, World of Warcraft model of fantasy. It's a bit Terry Goodkind, isn't it? it? Like it's hang not, on a minute! Don't I'm fucking wheel Goodkind out, it's not that bad. <laughs> Um, anyway, it's Tolkien-esque, isn't it? It's, it's not classic, Tolkien -esque. it's high fantasy. It, no, it isn't. That's it my is. point. It's really, really low fantasy. It's not low fantasy. Um, You're just manticorist. I like the manticore. Anyway, so I just, I, I find that a little bit tiresome. And, and, it, and there's a, a certain amount of world, world building that just kind of I, I, tired me at the beginning. But it does ultimately have a lot of heart to it. I just, I just don't think it's storytelling is quite as tight as Pixar's absolute greatest stuff. Oh, that's fair. That is um, fair. And, uh, but yeah, it did get me in the feels, mm. as the kids say, or probably mm. don't anymore. Um, so, so yeah, I would, I would probably be a star lower than Ben, but I did, that is still a recommendation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd be between so, yeah. four and five. I'd be sort of on that particular fence, but uh, I did, I thought it was great. Mm. Yeah, really funny, good mm. character work. Mm. Yeah. Unexpected. 
Yeah. Uh, I thought it was heading one direction, then it headed in another Indeed. direction. Indeed. Yeah, mm. but uh, yeah. yeah. Like the path of peril. The path <laughs> of peril. And uh, board game enthusiasts, as you've, you've mentioned, will, will absolutely love it because mm. it's very much tailored for that. And lots of stuff going on in the background, lots of watch shop names and things like that to get extra chuckles. Uh, I thought this was, you know, probably mid-table Pixar, but going for a European place. If that makes any sense. Oh, I see. It's a football reference. It's a football reference. I don't yeah. understand. Well, you know. I feel like it's it's like a good Shrek movie level. Oh, good God, oh. woman! That's good oh. point. Now Shrek. People oh. like the first Shrek. I'm just the second saying, Shrek is great. Mm. Oh, okay. All right. Anyway, that's gone down well, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> All right, so go and see Onward. We gave it five stars, but it is as good as a Shrek movie. <laughs> you heard it here or, first. Or a Terry Goodkind book. <laughs> I'm just saying the setup. The setup is good kind. I'm not saying the ultimate result is good. Kind. I hate when mum and dad fight. <laughs> the ultimate result is like David Eddings. Uh, don't find the car on the way home like everyone else. Um, <laughs> all right, so next up we have Military Wives, which of course stars Dame Kristen Scott Thomas. And if Ireland had a queen, I think Sharon Horgan would be the queen of Ireland. Uh, so, Helen, what about this one? Because Jimbo, yeah. you missed the first hour, didn't you? Absolutely fuck with. There is a possibility I turned up an hour into the film. So I'll join in an hour into Helen's review. Yeah. In fairness, I didn't turn up at all, but uh, uh, I had a really good excuse. So I was um, talking to Tom Cruise. Anyway. Uh... I mean... Oh, hey, guys. Oh. Helen, please. You dropped something, Chris. Uh, yeah, I dropped Tom Cruise's all name. Over oh, yourself. Oh, yeah. so over here, just next to Will Smith. Okay. Oh, just so, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So this is. I mean, it's kind of all there in the title, almost. Uh, this is a, a group of military wives um, whose husbands are just leaving as we join the story on deployment for six months. And so it's very much up to Sharon Horgan's character as the wife of the sergeant major of the regiment. She's supposed to be in charge of keeping everybody busy and keeping their minds off it and keeping their old uh, spirits up. And then... Um, Kristen Scott Thomas's character, who is the wife of the colonel of the regiment, somewhat against protocol, decides that she's going to get involved too, because for reasons that will become clear as the film goes on, she suddenly has a lot of time on her hands and she wants to also keep more busy than usual. So um, the two of them uh, very reluctantly work together because they sort of, the, the, it's like their husband's ranks apply to them as well. So they now have this weird culture clash thing mm -hmm. where they have to kind of jolly everybody along. And what, what they end up deciding to do is to have a choir. Um, they are obviously dreadful at the beginning mm -hmm. and gradually become better. And then they get asked to perform at the Royal Albert Hall. Some of you may even have seen that concert and probably not in this country, thank God. And then... Um, <laughs> And so it's the story of will these people be able to put their own rivalries aside long enough to uh, actually kind of work together and get to a position where they can. I'm guessing perform. no. Am I right? Oh, you're Am so right? right, Chris. You're okay. so right. It's very much a feel-bad film. Uh, with, ben with Travis no... comes in and he's killing people left, right and centre. Oh, so heartwarming. Yeah. Um, but no, look, uh, you can absolutely see where it's going from minute one. Um, the, the good thing about it is that Scott Thomas is fantastic in everything, and she's particularly in her sort of brittle, you know, very damaged, very, um, you know, outwardly strong and inwardly a mess mode in this mm -hmm. film. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Sharon Horgan, who's a little bit more pulled together, but also kind of not, uh, their, their relationship is pretty interesting. Um, but it, it does feel kind of long 
to me a little bit. So not to James. No, no I <laughs> felt it was like a brisk <laughs> twenty-five minutes. It was lovely. <laughs> All films should be this long. <laughs> so yeah, um, it, it's you know you know exactly what you're getting. Mm. Your granny will love there, it, isn't it? Like it's, it's, yeah. it's the full Monty, but with choir. Yeah, it's um, Calendar Girls, but with less. Nudity, yeah, it's it's that know? exact genre of film. The only thing that I found in the twenty minutes that I saw was that uh, so it ends on a big musical number, but the, it didn't. It wasn't a banger, was it? Do you know what I mean? No. And I don't mean just because it's like choir music, but I just felt that that final thing really <laughs> needed to be like emotional or uplifting or something. Like it's no school of rock. At no point were you dancing in the aisles. It was I just mean, like, hmm, okay. I think they used the real song. Yeah, it wasn't great. I've got to be honest. But like it was meant to be all like moving and yeah. such. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like if you're building up to a big musical number, whether it's pitch perfect, whatever it is, that musical number really needs to be... Banging. Yeah. But maybe if you been there for the previous hour, then maybe it might have had a you were, The emotional heft would have led to a banging tune ahead yes. of a yes. more, a little dirge. Yeah. But uh, whatever, it's a three-star film. Yeah. Three stars then for Military Wives, uh, starring, of course, Sharon Horgan. Hi, Sharon. Good? Good? Sharon? Good, good, yeah. good Sharon. What, now? Good. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously good Sharon. Obviously. Good Sharon. Obviously. Good Sharon. Good Sharon's good. Well, we're going to come to Dublin. And, uh, and no, 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 of course me? not. No, Jesus, we wouldn't get out alive. Uh, and, uh, and Dame Kristen Scott Thomas, of course. Uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but she was in Mission Impossible with... Uh, my pal Tom Cruise. Uh, really good stuff. Three stars in for Military Wives. Next up, we have The Photograph. We've only got a few minutes mm. there for this bit, Jimbo. I'll do it too quickly. So this is a film. Uh, we, yes. <laughs> this is a film. This Amazing. is a film. Fantastic. And we gave it three stars. Next. Hooray! Uh, no, no. no. no so this is, this is a type of film that you don't get to see in the cinema very often mm. anymore, which is a sort of a romantic drama. Yeah. Uh, and this stars uh, Lickie Stanfield as a journalist, specifically the type of journalist that only exists in fiction, where he's given maybe a month to work on one piece instead of, I don't know, an afternoon. <laughs> and, uh, and just have to run around and do drafts <laughs> and interview people. Uh, but he's uh, interviewing uh, a guy about Hurricane Katrina for this incredibly self-indulgent article. Uh, and he, uh, he comes across the work of a photographer played by Shante Adams called uh, Christina. And this takes him to a gallery in New York where he meets uh, the late photographer's daughter and begins a romance with her. And uh, she's played by uh, Issa Rae. Yeah. It, this has a kind of link later feel to it. So they, they chat, they talk, they discover things about each other. But then you kind of flash back to Christina's life and you see her romance as well. So you have these sort of alternating timelines. And weirdly, I found that quite distracting. Mm. Like, I enjoyed the modern-day romance and, you know, they get evacuated because there's a storm and they go to, to his brother's house. And, you know, you, you see their relationship sort of blossom and you see them get to know each other. And it's one of those films where it's just good-looking people falling in love, you know, which is nice. But oh, no, the, that sounds terrible. <laughs> exactly. But the alternate timeline is a little bit distracting and it gets a little bit muddy and it drags a bit. So it's good, yeah. but it's not great. It has a lovely jazzy score. Oh, I enjoyed fabulous, a lot. Yeah. The music is fantastic and the locations are great. And uh, they're all gorgeous. And they're gorgeous yeah. and they're really charismatic. And it's nice because Lakeitha, his character, is actually a bit of a dick at times. Mm -hmm. But I think he manages through charm alone to carry that off. Yeah. I think, I think if anything, Issa Rae was a little bit underserved because she... I wanted more sometimes from her character than mm. I think she got. But I think that is because we're spending so much time with her mother in that story. Yeah. And, and the stories don't echo each other closely enough all the way through that you feel like, you know, sometimes if you, you've got two timelines but you're kind of telling the same story, then they sort of fit together and, and they feed off each other mm. and it feels like each one is building the other one up. And, and this one, it just felt like they were distracting from each other until the really the, the very, very end. Um, but, you know, it's still it's still a good film to see and we don't get the chance, as you say, to see well, this no, kind of film. Yeah, they're mainly on Netflix, Netflix those kind of yeah. films these days. So Yeah, fantastic. Lakeith Sanfield should be in everything. Which yeah, is, he really I should. agree. Which is that because he pretty much is in everything. <laughs> <laughs> He's great, though. Oh, no. Um, oh, no, it's Lakeith Sanfield again. Oh, no, oh. what a shame. Um. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. 
Uh, so three stars then for the photograph. And uh, last up in this section mm. is... But uh, not least. Film, not least, absolutely not, is a, a documentary by Toni Morrison. Yes. Called The Pieces I Am. Yes. So Toni Morrison, if you don't know, is the Nobel Prize winning author of... Uh, Award winning. Like, like already. Yeah. <laughs> Unbearable. Um, <laughs> a man was found beaten to death on the floor tonight in the Dublin area. There are, uh, everyone's a suspect. Yeah, pl- police have decided not to investigate because he definitely deserved it. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, Tony Morrison is the Nobel Prize winning author of books like Beloved, um, uh, The Bluest Eyes, and so on. She's, she's incredible. And this is the story of her life, essentially. So, it's... Uh, interviews with her. She, she died last year, but these were interviews recorded in the last few years. Um, and also interviews with people who have worked with her, who have studied her work, um, who are fans. Um, so everybody from Oprah Winfrey, who of course starred in the film version of Beloved, who tells an amazing story about how she got the rights to the film, which involves going to extreme lengths to get Toni Morrison's unlisted phone number. And it's the kind of thing you can only do if you're Oprah. I think if the rest of us tried it, we'd be arrested. And it's just all very affectionate, but also very clear-eyed and very uh, incisive in terms of what her place is, in particularly American, but generally in in literature, and sort of making the case for her importance as a writer. Um, And so even if you haven't read a lot of her stuff, I think it's fascinating. She is incredibly charming in her interviews. Like, she will go from insanely academic, intellectual, incisive, and really sharp on racial issues in particular, to telling you about her carrot cake recipe just on a dime and both of them are fascinating and you're just leaning forward in your seat and want to know more she's incredible so it's it's kind of it's kind of a five star subject for a documentary yeah. and you know, I'll be honest, I, I reviewed it from somewhere else and gave it five stars just because I love it so much. Whoa, wait a second. Um, uh, that's a bombshell. But, uh, I, but, and you could probably pick at some, you know, choices in the documentary itself, but honestly, you're kind of pick, nitpicking because it's just really well done. It presents a very full figure of her life, a very f- full picture of who she was and what she, what she cared about and why we should care. Um, and I just loved it. Four stars then for Tony Morrison, The Pieces I Am. Uh, and that is it for the reviews section. Now it's time for you guys to ask us anything you want. Uh, anything at all. Within uh, the bounds the, of the law. Within and the bounds reason. of the law. Uh, we have roving microphones attached to these two fine people here. And uh, so please do put your hands up and then ask away. Also, there may be, we may have to stop this for a surprise at some point. But uh, surprise. We'll, we'll, we'll continue. Don't worry. It's all good. Yeah, should, we, should we start with that? Start with this person? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, My name is Tommy. I am a graduate of Trinity College, which is something I share in common with the showrunners of Game of Thrones, actually. Hey. Hey, there you go. I'm wondering, uh, speaking of which, have you ever seen a film or a TV show by a filmmaker or somebody who you respected and then not only it disappointed you, but it made you reevaluate your feelings of them leading up to this point? Yes. Like like with George (laughs) Lucas and The Phantom Menace, we thought, okay, wait, was he ever really that great? Yeah. Um, I had exactly that thought. The love guru, Mike Myers. I was like, was Wayne's World good? (laughs) Like, were we kidding ourselves? Was it bad all along? I genuinely had to go back and watch Wayne's World and Austin Powers again um, to see if they were good. I think they were at the time. Mind you, I haven't been back since, so who knows? Oh, they're great, they're great. great, Uh, He did a thing. um, Did you notice that Mike Myers, a couple of years ago, they brought back the gong show in the States. Does anyone know this? And Mike Myers hosted it but completely in disguise as a British comedian that he'd made up. 
And so the first major Mike Myers character since The Love Guru was on a TV show. And it was a really great performance. And uh, they showed clips of it. And he was really, really funny again. But anyway, okay. the, the, for me, I don't know if I've really had that experience. I, I look at something like The Phantom Menace and... Uh, Attack of the Clones and <laughs> Revenge of the Sith. And I think those are fine films from a fine filmmaker. <laughs> and he is uh, impeccable and unimpeachable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, maybe George Lucas is a great example, by the way. <laughs> Jimbo, anyone? I refuse to answer on the grounds that my answer, Skywalker, <laughs> might, um, might incriminate me. Mm. So it was Rise of Skywalker then. So, uh, <laughs> what talking about. so J.J. Abrams. <laughs> he's, he's a fine man and genius filmmaker. Mm. See, I don't know about that. <laughs> he's a fine man. He's a uh, lovely man. Lovely man. Lovely man. But I'm not sure about the great filmmaker thing. Because if you look at the number of films he's made, Star Trek is great. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love that film. Uh, Mission Impossible 3 is fantastic. The best up until Impossible, it is yes. not the best Mission Impossible. You're an idiot. It's, the be- it's really good up until the last 25 minutes. Super 8. Eh. I like Super 8. Super Star Trek good. Into Darkness is bad. bad. It's bad. fine. It's fine. And then the two Star Wars movies he made. Force Awakens is Force Awakens is great. Yeah. Okay, yeah, sure. Rise hey. of Skywalker has a book now which explains it, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's any other bad. questions? Two separate questions. Oh, oh holy shit. Four. No, wait a second. You have to come uh, back in again for the second one. <laughs> one for Chris and Helen, one for James separately. Okay. Uh, Chris and Helen, about two years ago, I did send in a question to the podcast. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, I sent it to Facebook. Oh no! <laughs> so we may get to it. At so some I figured point. I'd grab my chance here, which is uh, it was in the run-up to the train spotting. Right. Sequel. Okay. Yeah. I was wondering what other two-decade-plus films that you'd be interested in seeing sequels to, and separately to James in a casting sort of capacity. Given Elaine Page has aged out, who would play Ellie in Last of Us? <laughs> I'm going to jump with this straight away. So people have been uh, pressing uh, for Caitlin Deaver to play yeah. Ellie. And that's a really good shout, except she's like 23 and Ellie's 14. And I did point this out on Twitter and people were like, shut your mouth. It's like, it's like a decade. You can't fudge 10 years. Do you know who's really good? I don't know if she'd be right or not, but um, Lily Aspel, who plays Baby Wonder Woman. She's great. She's a lovely kid. Okay. What about, what about, what about, what about? Judy Dench. <laughs> it's good. It's now, good. what about what about McKenna Grace? She's too old. To, she's too, not too old. I, see, I I think it doesn't like people focus too much on who looks like the character in the game, mm. and I think that's yeah, that's yeah. unless I don't think that really matters. I think just a great unknown actress, Fortune, would be fantastic. All right. uh, who plays Joel? I think would be a whole other thing. Someone suggested Matthew Fox. I'm like, mm-hmm. What? <laughs> but, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, uh, so the question was uh, delayed sequels, right? Uh, I mean, my standard go-to answer is Buttercup's Baby, the sequel to The Princess uh. Bride. Um, I would be intrigued. Um, although I'd quite like it to be animated, so the voice cast of the originals could come back and just do the voices. Beyond that... It's happening all the time, though, isn't it? You know, yeah. Indie, Indie 5, if and when it gets off the ground, is going to be something like that. I love films. I love, the, I love films. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's good God. to know, Chris. Thank Tell God. us more about that. <laughs> Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever just been walking down the street and you just stop and you go, fuck, I love films. <laughs> I really do. Um, which is good because I host a film podcast. Yeah, yeah. I love podcasts. Um, and I love empires as well. Uh, anyway. Why have you me, been drinking, Chris? <laughs> Mainly this. Uh, water and then some of the hand cream that I oh, have. Oh, yeah. On. It's really nice, you guys. Uh, like, I, I'm fascinated by the movies that, that tackle this. That, you know, I'd love to see, and I know this is never going to happen, but I would love to see one last Dirty Harry film. 
I've, I keep thinking about this. I think Grand Torino was almost, he was almost <laughs> playing Dirty Harry. And like just catching up with characters, iconic characters, 20, 30 years, even 40, obviously, in Clint's case now, down the line. And that's why I love Creed so much. And they, you can put a nice little emotional bow on the character as well. You can send them off. So things like that, you know, you know maybe not always in the Logan vein that, that visit a character and we see the end of their lives necessarily, but... I love that because so much time passes in a character's life and maybe they change, maybe they stay the same, maybe they have regrets, maybe they don't. Uh, so something like uh, like a Dirty Harry, something like a Evil Dead 4 would be all right. I'd be quite happy to see that. And of course, staying very, very much on brand uh, if they revisited Event Horizon. I'd love to see what 20 years in hell <laughs> Do you see done. though, Chris? Do, I do you see? Do you see? I do see. I do see. I see. Do you see? Do you see? I see. Do you see? Uh, <laughs> I see that wouldn't it be great to see what would happen to Dr. William Weir and Captain Miller after 20 years in hell. No. No one else is on board with you. Mom. All right. We couldn't let you go, of course, without springing one last guest upon you. Uh, so here, straight from picking up a lifetime contribution award at this very festival is a brilliant actor and the most local of local heroes. Will you please welcome the star of Hunger, Game of Thrones, and Dog Soldiers, Liam Cunningham! <laughs> <laughs> I really hope he's here. <laughs> Otherwise, just tell you what, just keep applauding. Just keep applauding. I'll see what's happening. <laughs> Applaud, damn you! It's like a pantomime. You're like, no, he's shy. Applaud louder, louder. See if we can get him out. Wait, 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 wait. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? I see something. People. There are people. There are people. But none of them are Liam Cunningham. Wait a minute. This is Liam Cunningham. <laughs> Liam Cunningham! <laughs> Liam Cunningham! Sit, sit, sit. <laughs> well, congratulations, first of all, on your award. Yeah, I know, it's a bit weird. I feel like a fraud. <laughs> You're sitting there with people who devote their life to injustice, the whole lot, and I'm, on, I'm getting the work because I'm on the telly. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's not Thank false you. modesty either, I really do. It's weird. No, it's really lovely. It's, Four or five fantastic films that were there. There was an award given for uh, her, uh, herself, wasn't it? That one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> God, you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> Coronavirus. This could be it. You could be writing stories. And, and, then, and then he just fucking fell over. And, was, <laughs> and we were there. We were there when he died. <laughs> be all about you, wouldn't it? <laughs> what? Sorry, and you're meant to be on the Late Late Show after this as well, so that no. wouldn't be good. Dying would really put a real crimp in that, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, they'd have to put in an extra commercial. <laughs> <laughs> you think they work on you backstage? Like, just, you know, clear! Yeah, yeah, Defib me before I go on. He's okay speaking, I think. <laughs> and there's a germ for each and every person in the audience. There's <laughs> a defibrillator for everyone in the audience. Amazing. Well, thank you, Liam, for doing this, for, for taking time out to, to do this. What do Lifetime Achievement Awards mean? It means you're nearly dead. <laughs> yeah. 
It's not where I was going exactly, but... It's not ideal, is it? (laughs) I'm going to give it to you before you do need the defibrillator. Um, It's very strange. Look, he used the opportunity. They did... They offered me a movie star to give me the... uh, Somebody, anyway, I don't know who it was. The name didn't come up. But they said, we'll get somebody that's here at the festival to, you know, give you the award. And I said, no, 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 because I'd met this fella in 19... uh, When was it? 2016, four or five years ago, in Jordan. Let me tell you who this man is. Because uh, I know you're all guessing. <laughs> uh, uh, this guy and his family decided to leave Syria. Um, how many times were you bombed before you left? Seven, six or seven? Yeah, so the last time was the seventh time. Yeah, so uh, and one of those times, uh, Hassam uh, was in classroom when a, when a mortar or artillery shell came in through the window and killed his best friend who he pulled Jeez. out of the rubble. Uh, dead, um, and also uh, nearly lost uh, one of his brothers while smugglers were trying to get them uh, across the desert and and basically uh, abandoned them. Uh, and um, they found a well, and, and one of the brothers drank from it, and somebody had poisoned the well with diesel, so his, his brother almost died. They had to drop all their belongings and carry him. Uh, and all sorts of horrible... I mean, he can well speak up for himself, but I'm just trying to condense it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it sounds like it happened to me, didn't it? <laughs> it's awful. Uh, and uh, he... Turn, you have phone. Turn off your phone. <laughs> turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> such a... Such uh, a take the call if it's important. <laughs> <laughs> it's naive. Hold on, let me turn off my phone. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, um, uh, the reason I want to bring him over here is because all the bastards in uniforms and, and the mm-hmm. psychopaths in suits that are uh, directing this war have, have done everything in their power to try and kill this man's spirit. Uh, and they haven't done it. He's beaten them. Him and his family have beaten them and all the other people who haven't been destroyed by, by war we interrupting your night here. <laughs> anyway, turn it off, man. It's, it's, turn proof, it off. it's proof that he's still living his life. That's our, that's, <laughs> the, the, the lady who's called him is, is this extraordinary lady who works for World Vision, uh, which, which uh, the charity I work with, and, and that's how we met. Uh, so uh, uh, anyway, he managed to get his ass out of uh, a refugee camp in Jordan and... Uh, him and his mum the, the family were split up and it was really worrying when I met him because his passport was about to run out and he was trying to reunite with his family when the uh, lovely German people took in a huge amount of uh, Syrian refugees mm-hmm. and we've kept in contact we have a laugh together uh, and um, uh, until he informed me I said what are you up to and he said I'm going I'm, I'm to be an actor and I went oh, <laughs> no please uh, and the man is he's so driven that a couple of weeks later he sent a photograph of him on a film set. He was the lead in a film. <laughs> which I have the DVD. Thanks, thanks. Wow. Uh, but he's, he's also f- finishing... Uh, he, he also taught himself... Uh, uh, when I met him, uh, he, he was teaching himself German off a mobile phone because when he was trying to get it, he didn't want to be a burden to the German people and to teach him German. So he spent two hours of every day uh, um, in his very small room uh, trying to teach himself German. He had also taught himself English off a mobile phone, um, off YouTube, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I should really let you talk at some stage. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really delighted. I'm, I, I couldn't imagine that, like they said, it's a broadcast and 
I see a lot of people here. So, <laughs> so surprisingly, I don't know. Um, what should I say? Well, tell, tell us about your film. What was your film that you made? Um, yeah, so my film, uh, it's called Help Na. Also, this means um, in German that um, two um, cultures who try to get near to each other, but um, there's difficulties mm -hmm. um, happen. And um, although they get to as they get stick to either each other but you know we we had to speak about the difficulties so uh, it's just a kind of short film mm -hmm. so we had to make like we it took us like four months because it's uh, through the school and we had to produce it from the school but um yeah so we did it and um somehow somehow um i did not know that liam will come to the primer so the first show and i walked on the red carpet like that did a lot of things there. I did not think really that would be um, a big matter, like the film. <clears throat> I just saw like a lot of media there, a lot of newspaper, a lot of people want to like interview me. I was like, okay, what's what's happening here? And I walked on the red carpet. I was like, ah. That's Liam again. <laughs> yeah. I did that already a couple uh, about a year earlier uh, when he uh, when he arrived in Stuttgart. I. I'd set up an Should make a film about surprising refugees. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Not even a premiere, it's just generally. I, I, a life, you know. I love that, yeah. Just you know, like, like an actual proper comedy where you're just jumping out and scaring people. Oh, yeah. but scaring refugees. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's a black comedy. <laughs> Yeah, so I surprised him and still got I'd set up an interview where he was going to talk about his experiences, but I, I, he didn't know that I'd set it up. So we had him in a park, and uh, and I surprised him. Uh, and uh, basically because there's there's so much horror attached to these stories, and and we can see it in the last week what's happening in in Greece, yeah. uh, which is appalling. Um, and I I wanted to show what the good work does. And Hassan is a result of the good work. There's a huge amount in the, in the stuff that Thank I do you. with the charity. And, and, you know, we've been to South Sudan and, and uh, just giving kids safe spaces to play in and, and have a little bit of a childhood and all those sorts. There's a, there's a million and one good things. But, uh, I mean, the most powerful stuff that appears on, on the news is, is, the, is the violence, the bombings and, the, mm -hmm. and the, you know, the mass migrations of people. But there's, a, there's a lots and lots of really good, good stuff. Don't, you know, don't... Let the bad stuff overwhelm you. Every little bit you give, uh, every 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 little helps, as that supermarket people say. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> You're not coming back. Lock the door. <laughs> uh, but is this something, that, you know, Liam? That, you know, have you been? Politically motivated throughout your career, or is this something that's, that's happened in the last few years? Or where you're? I was the same as everybody else. I was a whinger. Mm. You look at the telly, it's calling most of the politicians a bunch of self-serving bastards, and I still do that. Yep. Uh, but the, 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 yeah, the, di the difference is in your twenties, you're kind of rebellious. When you're in your fifties, you're commercially. <laughs> uh, so uh, um, it, it was a case. Look, I, I wasn't looking to the, the, the job. Is the, the Game of Thrones thing has given me a platform. Mm -hmm. People, for whatever reason, uh, decide to temporarily listen to you while you have your temporary celebrity. So you you got to use it. And and uh, if I, it's about looking in the mirror. If I wasn't, if if I didn't use it and, and mm -hmm. try and help a yeah. few heads, then uh, when it's all gone and I didn't do something, I would be very annoyed with myself. Mm. So what what should people do? Is there a website? Is it what? Oh no, absolutely. I mean, look, I've, I've just come from the Irish Council of Civil Liberties. They protect our rights, which are 
uh, under constant attack, mm. not by any dark forces, but by people who want to make profits. Mm. Um, uh, and so there's, they're always on the attack. World Vision do extraordinary work. Um, they're one of the biggest, if not the biggest NGO uh, on the planet. They've about 40,000 people working wow. for them. Uh, and they're they're like heavily in the shit. Uh, they go to these appalling places and and they concentrate hugely uh, on women and children. Uh, and from an empowerment point of view, and I know that kind of the, the sort of it's a right on sounding name and all that sort of thing. Uh, but I've I've seen uh, a, a huge amount of ladies that were set up in business in in South Sudan, which is really rough, very poor. And they're given a stipend, a small amount of money, but they can only sign off on the money if they take entrepreneurial classes. So they've set up stalls. They've given them a bit of financial independence. Uh, and all of the ladies I spoke to, and said, what are you, you going to do with your... I said, are you making a profit? And they go, yeah, we're making a profit. And they're selling nuts and satay sauces and very small stuff, uh, like street vendors. Uh, and uh, they're putting the money away to put their kids through school, to give their kids a better start. So they're giving them a bit of hope, a bit of dignity, a bit of humanity, those things that that money, believe it or not, can buy. Yeah. And just taking away the hope, the, the worst thing you can do is give, you know, take away people's hope and we're you know, just giving a bit of hope. But World Vision are easily found on, on the... Um, on the web. And, uh, and I've said, just to give you an example, to, um, when I was in... Uh, South Sudan, we went to these safe spaces, which are so oversubscribed, they have to have these, it's like basically a children's playground. They have to have a, like three or four shifts a day. There's so many kids want to avail of it. And these are kids who've seen horror, absolute horror. And they're able to meet other kids and play with a ball. And it's a cost of a chain link fence and two or three hundred concrete blocks. Over there probably costs about two grand to build the whole thing. So whatever you think your two euros or your your one euro is not going to go very far. Whatever it can buy here can probably be multiplied by twenty or thirty over there, and the result of that with the with these kids who just return it's it's like it's it's psychiatry for them. It's psychology for them. It's a cheap form where they can laugh and 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 play football and dance and sing and make music. Uh, and the kids, you can see the kids outside the fence dying to get in and because they're in, on the next shift. And, and it, it's, really, it's joyous to watch in the middle of this shit to see these, yeah. these kids laughing and, and, and utilising <coughs> every minute to be kids and, and it costing next to nothing. Mm. Uh, it really, it's remarkable stuff. That's amazing. That's amazing. And uh, Liam, thank you so much for, for coming here. Thank you for sharing Hassam's story uh, as well. But if we stopped you from getting on the Light Light show, I think we'd be ripped limb from limb. So <laughs> Ryan would not be happy. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to let you go. You please give it up for Hassam and Liam Cunningham, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wow. <sighs> Let's keep them. They're still there. They're still in the room, guys. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just called. So we got about. Ten minutes left. That was a nice. Oh, well, yeah. five minutes left. Five minutes left. Oh, 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 hang on. Three oh, minutes. Oh, oh God, it's going down. Three minutes. Three just minutes. go, Chris. Go. Just, just talk. So, any more questions? Uh, very, very quickly. Uh, we got some roving mics still. We got the roving mics. Uh, this no, this, this side, side room has been underserved. So yeah. Over okay. Here. So real. On your left. Speed round. <laughs> hey. <laughs> so I watched uh, King Arthur: Legend of the Sword the other day. Oh, oh I'm so sorry. So sorry. <laughs> I am yeah, so sorry. Really, really intensely three-star film. Yeah. Um, but there's a really good scene in the middle of it where Arthur tells a story about a Viking or something, and it's just a really well-shot mm. scene. So I was wondering, are there any bad or mediocre films that you know that have like singular good standout moments in them? 
Do you know what? First of all, that also has a great score. I love the score of that film. Um, secondly, I watched Justice League again last night. I don't know why. Um, but there were a yeah, couple... Why did you? I, don't, I just, it was there. It was on Amazon. I was like, eh, sure. Okay. I, maybe it wasn't as bad as I remember, I thought. And it, hmm. it is. Um, but there were, there were a couple of, just like literally two, I think, moments where I was like, that's a good line. And that's it. That's all it was. All it was. Wow. Um, yeah. I, mm, no, I think there's a there's a couple of legitimately good scenes in Justice League. There's there's please, a bit. There's please a bit, explain. There's the bit where there's a bit where basically um, Bruce Wayne throws Steve Trevor not metaphorically at Wonder Woman, and and I was like, oh no, you didn't. <laughs> and and I, but it was a great it was a great moment because she's she's talking about how he has to move on and she and he's like, so what? Like you did from Steve Trevor. And like that's legit. Burn. Yeah, it was a okay. it was a burn. It worked. I was thinking more of the the scene where Superman comes back and then kicks all her asses. But uh, more oh, but towards so the end. So much of that was so bad. The Superman way. flash race at the end is the one time you felt him. Yeah, that was yeah almost yeah, like Superman. Yeah. yeah. Hitting what they were trying to to hit. But uh, yeah, that's a very very good example. Uh, we'd get into more, but we have speed round. Speed round. Uh, oh yes, please. Here in the second row, lady by the hand. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully more than one. Yeah. Nope. Thank you. Um, as we're at the Dublin International Film Festival, we I'm are. reminded of a movie I saw here a number of years ago, The Station Agent. Great oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Peter um, standout performance from Peter Dinklage yes, before he was in a small series, Chris, called Game of Thrones. Uh, um, what's that? You'll never have heard of it, don't Was worry. he on it? Yeah, yeah. Liam was. Holy shit. Um, and Michelle Williams was pretty excellent mm. in that as well. Mm. Um, are there any movie festival movies that have had star-making turns that you've experienced? I mean, pr most stars, I think, come from movie festivals. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like, something like that that kind of is their breakout and, or certainly their step up to the next level. Donnie Darko, actually, was big on that. Turn up the yeah. London Film Festival and no one knew what that was. And Richard Kelly did a... He came... We did a little masterclass, like a filmmaking masterclass. He just came into the office and chatted to people, which was lovely. And no one knew who Jake Gyllenhaal was at the time, and that was huge. We were like, yeah. this film is amazing. I can't wait to see what Richard Kelly does next. <laughs> well, not everyone maintains in that way, no, do they? No, no, yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, he's done, he's done, yeah, he's he's done yeah. pretty well. Yeah, he's yes, done. Sundance makes stars all the time. Uh, Cannes Film Festival, uh, so it's not a, a star necessarily, but uh, the artist mm. was propelled to... Won an award, that one did. Yep, yeah. it did indeed. Uh, was it, was, did it have glitter in it, by any chance? Don't think it did. The Oscar would be so much better if there was glitter one. inside it, don't it you It really think? would. Uh, but yeah, really that, that, that film, no one knew what that film was. I, I, I remember, I haven't been to Cannes for a while now, but I remember distinctly what it was like being at Cannes and going to see that film, uh, which... Uh, he literally that, talked about it non-stop for a I did. Um, the, the one that actually stands out for me is... Uh, it's another Oscar winner. I saw Spotlight at Telluride, uh, or not Telluride. I was actually in. It was a whole, it was an offshoot at Dartmouth. Anyway, but I saw that really early, and I was like blown away by it completely. That was incredible. All right, they're going to kill us. That's the grand finale. It's a risk of money to take. <laughs> James, you get to choose the last look questioner. At that. Look at the, the waving hand. He's the waving hand, Helen the says. Just, just to narrow it down. You, sir. You, sir. That, that's yeah, I was going to go with the guy that looks hand. like yes, James Mangold. But... Oh, 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 see, now, now, oh. now, the pressure, the just, pressure. Just, okay, fine. You pick one. You we pick trust, one. Just yes. form, I'm just, like, yes. get together and Throw form, like, into the audience. Whoever catches it. Amorphous blob. Okay, let them speak. Hi, guys. A quick one for you. So you talked at the start, obviously, about Bond moving out and other... Uh, movies that might mm. be in jeopardy. Uh, I actually work for a broadcaster over here, and I had an interesting series of emails this week. One was, uh, "Can we can we move some money?" Which what you I said no. The second one was, "Okay, can I give you a list of keywords we don't want 
to target ads around. And the best one I got was, and I'll lead into the question. The, the, first of all, there was 627 of these keywords. Wow. The best one, I think, was zombie deer outbreak. Um, yeah, well, that's legit because that's where Trend Busan started. So. <laughs> so I suppose my question is, if you go to the trouble of writing out 627 keywords, mm. should you just cancel your film because it's probably shit? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a lot. It really is. Yeah. I don't know, 627 keywords just describes the cast of Infinity War. So <laughs> I'm not so sure. Yeah. I think, I think look, I, I think... We, we have had discussions about jokes that Chris shouldn't tell um, about the current situation because if 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 something awful happens, then, you know, it will be awful well, as far in as I think, If something awful happens, me making a joke on the Emperor podcast is the we'll least of least worst. worst. <laughs> well, that, that's, I mean, there's something to be said for that too. But yeah. no, I like Chris, to think we got the worst of it out of your system while wandering the streets of Dublin earlier. I would hope we haven't got the worst of it into my system. Someone suddenly, we were walking along and he said something outrageous about wanking and some guy just went, are you Chris Hewitt? <laughs> <laughs> and he strolled over and goes, you're Chris Hewitt, aren't you? It's, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. True story, folks. True story. true story. <laughs> anyway, this has been fun. We should yes. do it again. Uh, and maybe next year we'll, we'll have more time for, for audience questions as well because we, we love this part. Yeah, we do. I'm yeah. sorry. Anyway, uh, that is it for this week's Empire Podcast here at the Virgin Media Dublin International Film Festival 2020. And we've enjoyed every second, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, of course, to everyone here at the festival. Gronya, Emily, Orla, Alexis on the wheels of steel over here. <laughs> Thank you very much for the, uh, the spot prize people, for the microphones, everybody. And, of course, for yourselves. Yeah. Give yourselves a round of applause. Yes. Thank you to our incredible guests. Right Tom Glyn Carney, Tom Fall Lawler, Neve Algar, Nick Rowland, Liam Cunningham, Hassam, whatever his name was, because no one said it. No one told so us. Hassam, so well done. That was fun. Uh, join us next week for more film-related fun, where we'll be joined by the star of Misbehaviour, Gugu Mbatha-Raw. So uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, we'll be back in the studio then, of course, as well. Until then, it is goodbye from the award-winning James Dyer. It is goodbye from the award, the marathon running, Helen O'Hara. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Uh, I've been so inspired by our time here in Dublin, I'm going to open a cafe called Tea Shop Bertie O'Hearn. Uh, thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.